Welcome back to Seeing Life from a Different Angle. I am Daryl Spitalier and your host. I wanted to step aside from the topic at hand, which we'll address in a moment. And, you know, um, thank you. Thank Mary, um, who has written an email to me today to thank me for the podcast. And I wanted to reach out and thank her for listening and as she said, even though we don't necessarily agree on everything that I do talk about, it always gives her moments of pause and consideration while she is working and studying. And I'm really proud of her for, you know, going after her bachelor's degree in psychology. That's amazing. Keep going. I hope that she will go farther and farther and and pursue it to where it is that she should and where it is she longs to be. So I wanted to thank her for that and kind of shift gears now a little bit to kind of talk about um, a particular question that has been brewing in my mind. You know, I think I think it's a fascinating thing when we consider why we choose the people in our lives that we choose. You know, one of the interesting pieces about human beings is that we are not prophetic. You know, we really do not know what it is that's going to happen in our lives. We do not really know what's going to occur. We may conjecture, we may even go so far as to go to someone who believes that they can tell us the future, you know, but one way or another, we really don't, and no one does know their future. And so we pick these relationships, we pick these friendships, and we work on them and we tend to them. You know, I believe from a psychological perspective that what we ultimately end up doing is choosing individuals who will fit the status quo of our life. You know, so we'll tend to find, you know, friends or loved ones who will, you know, fit the way that we have always believed life would be. You know, we we have lived a complicated life, for instance, one troubled by pains or sadness or despair, where people in our lives are unkind to us growing up, and people are critical of us and all these other types of things. And so we we find ourselves in a relationship with a friend and we think, okay, this person I hope will be different. But in reality, unconsciously, we are driven to find individuals who will satisfy the status quo and will leave us in that same space that we've always been in. Because at some part, our ego has become, become so used to the notion of clinging to what it is that is familiar to us. And so therefore, you know, even though it isn't healthy for us, we will choose what it is that has been laid out for us, so to speak. And so on the one hand, you know, you would love to say, okay, you know what, I've got to change that. I've got to find individuals who are healthier for me. But the answer doesn't lie on the outside. It doesn't lie on us finding healthier people for ourselves because invariably the people that our ego will seek out will be people who will gratify that status quo. Instead, the change has to come from within. It has to be an alteration in our own psychological well-being, an understanding of our status quo, an understanding of how we got to this place. You know, we've talked before about the idea of a wide open reality. Well, in that space, you know, the people that we would choose to connect with, if we were able to maintain that wide open reality for an extended period of time, the people we would choose would be much like our loving parents or or loving God. We would choose those people. 
And wouldn't that be a lovely thing to be able to say that the people in my life love me and they value me and they're connected to me and they care about me? I think when we think of it that way, you know, it would be lovely, but that's not how life really works, sadly. We move away from that beautiful, wide open reality where anything is possible, where magic exists, imagination exists, where, as I've written in my one of my blogs, where miracles are just a part of everyday life. They're not something that is abnormal or something that is, you know, against nature or opposed to nature. They are a part of nature. They make sense. But we end up instead finding ourselves in this myopic reality, seeking out individuals who will fit the status quo that has been developed for us in that reality. And so we get stuck in this place where we're not getting what it is that our ego really truly needs, certainly not what our id truly needs, not what we unconsciously long for, but instead settling, for want of a better way to put it, with for weak substitutes, individuals in our lives who are going to give us what it is that we are longing for from them, even if it is an unhealthy way. Now, why am I going into this place? The reason I'm going into this place is how different we are as human beings from Christ. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and it's not something that hasn't entered my mind before, but I hadn't really thought about it to this depth. But there's been this question mark in my mind as to why is it that knowing all things, you know, with no being God and knowing all things, why would Jesus have Judas as one of his apostles. You know, we all know the story of Judas, but if we don't, here we go. A brief version is that basically Judas is the individual who, because of his own psychological place, because of his own longings, because of his own beliefs, he decided to betray Jesus to the Jews, who then led to the crucifixion of Christ. And so, in that briefest narrative, you'd have to ask yourself, okay, why would it be that Jesus would say, I'm going to choose these 12 people to follow me and to be with me, and I'm going to love and believe in these individuals? If Jesus really knew about everything, why would he choose someone that he knew in the long run would betray him? And so, on the one hand, you could say, of course, then therefore Jesus doesn't really know everything. And there, you know, that would be certainly one option. But of course, in saying so, what we're also saying is that Jesus is a liar, you know, because he does tell us that he is aware of all the all things, you know, that he understands these things because God understands these things. Therefore, of course, being the son of God, he understands these things. And so I don't believe that he's a liar. Instead, here's the key, I think is that Jesus was living out something that he taught us. One of the most difficult teachings that Jesus ever taught, which was that we must love our enemy. You know, it's one of the most complicated things for us as human beings to even consider doing. People upset us and they hurt us and we're supposed to love them. You know, I mean, how does this make sense? It doesn't make sense if we are in that myopic reality. If we're in a place where all we can experience is our own pride and our own frustration, you know, if we're in that place, we're never going to be able to 
look at an, one the person that we might call our enemy and forgive them. But here's the key. It's that we are in the wrong place. You know, the reason that Jesus was able to choose and I believe chose Judas was because he wanted to live out that part of his life. He, you know, he washed the feet. God washed the feet of his apostles, including Jesus. I'm sorry, Judas. Jesus washed their feet. He humbled himself. He became a servant. And why did he do that? I think he did that for the same reasons that he also chose Judas, which is to show that I am living out what it is I am teaching to you. And one of the things that I'm teaching to you is to love your enemies. Because what is an enemy? An enemy ultimately is someone that we recognize does not value us, does not see us as someone worthwhile, does not see us as someone worth loving or caring about. And I think at the core, the reason that we struggle with that notion, the reason we struggle with the idea that we should love our enemies is not because of who they are. It is because of who we are. We don't forgive because the pain is so egregious and so great that this person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. We don't forgive because of our pride, because of our gluttony. I talked a little while back on this podcast about the notion of what is it that drives us toward, you know, that door that says, okay, if I cross through this door and make this choice to, you know, live this sinful life because of my pride, because I believe I deserve more, that it is ultimately gluttony that keeps me on that side of the door. It's like, ah, I have it now. Give me more, 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 more. You know, it's like that Seinfeld skit where he's, you know, our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. You know, we believe we're worth more than what we really are. You know, in that place, there's truth to that. We're not worth so much when all we are is about ourselves. We're worth a great deal when we are a part of the unity of our relationship with Christ, not otherwise. As C.S. Lewis said, you know, we are not ourselves until we are unified with Christ, because then we are our true selves. And so when we consider why it is that we struggle with loving our enemies, we have to, again, just like with looking at the status quo and why we choose poorly, we should stop long enough to ask ourselves and look inside of ourselves and say, you know, do I feel this measure of pride that I have been offended by what it is that someone else has done because ultimately it stands in the way of me getting what it is I want or thinking of myself in a particular way? You know, I was reading this book today by Matthew Kelly, and one of the things he was talking about is how we tend to let ourselves get these things in our way. We, Our eyes get clouded with the notion that we have a greater sense of value than we really do. And so we become rageful and angry and frustrated by other people who kind of show us that we're not really worth that much. And our pride gets offended. And so therefore, what do we do? We lash out at these individuals. We feel rage at these individuals. We struggle to forgive them because they've done something to me. But the truth of it is, when we stop and consider it long enough, what is it that they've really done? You know, they may have hurt us in some ways, but the thing that makes it difficult for us to forgive them isn't because of them. 
isn't even really honestly because of what they've done. As much as what they have done has affected our sense of pride in ourselves. And that's why we struggle to forgive our enemies. Because these are people who have hurt us. These are people who have done something to us. They broke our hearts, or they've broken our spirit, or they have robbed us in some way, financially or psychologically. You know, they have taken away our friends, or whatever the case might be. You know, we struggle to forgive these individuals because of our own pride. And so when we go back and look at the situation with Jesus and Judas, it's a fascinating thing because Jesus is saying to us, live as I live, you know, be a servant to all, wash the feet of others, take care of those who need to be taken care of, you know, let them know that they are people, that they are worth loving, that they are worth caring about, and love your enemy. Because ultimately to love your enemy and to take care of others and to be a servant of others and to find healthy relationships requires that we really challenge the status quo inside of ourselves. We have to be the ones that look at ourselves first. You know, it can't be us always looking at others and saying, okay, well, something's wrong with them that makes it so that I don't want to have anything to do with them. We have to stop long enough, look at ourselves and ask ourselves, you know, is it really them or is it really me? Be well.